you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at the classic passage revolving around this concept or the spiritual reality called, what I call today, the invisible war. Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10 through 13. And if you could stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10 through 13. And the Bible says, finally, everyone say finally. I like these, these finally words. Paul's wrapping up his teaching to the church at Ephesus. He's talking about the new them and the relationship they have with God. And he's talking about the church and who the church is and how God is bringing them into maturity. And then relationships in the family. And then he, he's wrapping up the very end of this little chapter. And he's saying, listen, guys, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Everyone say, put on. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, everyone say wrestle, wrestle, or wage war against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about the reality of the invisible war. Our prayer point this morning, our pastoral prayer time, we're praying for the victims' families and those who've been shot in this horrific, horrific murder that took place on Friday at Fort Lauderdale. Will you join with me as we pray? Father, we come to you today, and we are so amazed once again at the power of your presence that was so evident in this room during our time of worship. You are the God that breaks change. You break, you break chains of our past, of our present, and moving into our future. We thank you for that today. We thank you for the grace that's available to give everyone in this room an ear to hear and a spiritual eye to see. God, I thank you, Lord, that, for the work that you're doing in our hearts today. But as a church body, as a church family, we take a moment and we remember, God, what just took place this past Friday at this horrific event that took place in Fort Lauderdale. I pray for those victims' families today. I pray for those who saw this horrific, murderous act take place in the airport terminal. God, I pray the peace of God over them. I pray that somehow through this great tragedy, God, you will bring triumph. And God, we are asking for you to do what only you can do in their hearts and lives. Lord, we ask today by the mighty power and the wonderful name of your son, Jesus, that we'll have an ear to hear and, a heart to see, and an eye to see in your wonderful and mighty name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. 2016, 2016, I did something new. I went and bought myself a new jacket. Now, um, we don't need jackets. I don't wear jackets often here, but today was a snow day here at City Church, and so I put on my jacket for this morning. And uh, but a couple of weeks ago, we we were preparing for our trip to Boston, and and which we took over the Christmas holiday. And I knew it was going to be cold. We've been checking the weather, and and I looked at yesterday. They got over a foot of snow yesterday in Boston. And we were praying for snow on Christmas Day. I mean, that was our big prayer. We missed that one. We didn't quite hit God on that one. He wasn't listening that day, but it was still cold. And so I went to get myself a new jacket. Now, here's the deal. If I'm going to get myself a new jacket and I'm wearing a jacket, in order for me to try on this new jacket, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? I got to take the old one off. And if we're going to have a year of new beginnings, if we're going to have a year of something new in our life, we're going to have to take off some old things some old way of 
optimal ways of living. Some of you in 2016, you, man, you, you, you just feel like you failed a lot. You feel like you didn't accomplish what you had wanted to accomplish. Maybe some of you in 2016, you were so discouraged and so disappointed. You even got disillusioned with God. And you're back here today, and man, it's a fresh start. And I got a word for you today. 2017. 2017 is the year of completion, but also the year of new beginnings. The year of new beginnings. In order for that to take place in your life, though, you got to take off something. Paul, the apostle to the church at Ephesus, said, you got to put off the old man. Put off the old man and his deceptive ways, his desires for the flesh. And you got to put on the new man. you got to put on the new man. And when you put on the new man, it's by the renewing of your mind. And it produces righteousness and holiness in your life. And so 2017, everyone say new. Yeah. We're putting on a new way of thinking. We're putting on a new paradigm of understanding how God is at work in our life. That you and I in this room are engaged in a real, live, spiritual battle. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about it. Today, I'm going to talk about what is a spiritual battle and how we prepare ourselves for it. But over the next four weeks, we're going to learn. We're going to prepare ourselves for this invisible war. And whether you believe it or not, it is real. That we've defined the spiritual war in this series as Satan and his, as, and his invisible forces of darkness engaged in spiritual battle to destroy God's people and his kingdom. I want you to hear that again. Satan and his, and his invisible forces of darkness engaged in spiritual battle to destroy God's people and his kingdom. The first thing you got to hear today, this invisible war is a fact of life. This invisible war is a fact of life. Now, there's another fact of life that underneath these lights and this hot winter coat, uh, a warm winter coat, I'm way too hot, and so I'm going to just remove this so that I can feel a little better up here this morning. But that's a fact of life. There, there is a fact of life today that you and I are engaged in an invisible war. There's no neutral zone in it. You can't bury your head in the sand. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. It's real. There's a real spiritual battle taking place in our life. Now, what we have is worldviews. The way we see life, the way we view life, it's based on our view of the world. And there are two basic worldviews in all of humanity. The first worldview is what I call the materialistic or the natural worldview. It's the worldview that basically says, you know, I believe in science. If it, if it hasn't been proven in a test tube and doesn't have empirical data from, from some reputable science magazine, then I'm not going to believe it. And there's a lot of people that put their stake and their hope in their naturalistic worldview. As a matter of fact, our culture, not just out there, but even in the church, we put a lot of faith and a lot of hope in a naturalistic worldview. The problem with the worldview, the natural worldview, is it doesn't answer the complex problems of life. It doesn't answer the question of why I'm here. It doesn't answer the question of why God created me. It doesn't answer the question of why there is evil. Now listen, if you don't believe, if you don't believe this invisible war is real, this young man that went into the, and, and flew into Fort Lauderdale and killed these people on Friday, do you remember what he said? He said, I heard voices in my mind. The fact is that those voices in his mind had a source. The, that source was the evil one. 
We can dismiss it to a naturalistic worldview. He has mental issues. Well, of course he has mental issues. Nobody in their right mind would kill someone else. But there was something driving him. And the naturalistic worldview doesn't answer that. But then there's the spiritual worldview. Everyone say spiritual worldview. Now, not every spiritual worldview is equal. Not every spiritual worldview that people believe in and put their hope in gives them the power to live free, to live free from the attacks and the, uh, the destruction of the evil one in their life. Just because you believe in a God doesn't believe, mean you believe in the right God. The Bible says even the devil believes in God and he trembles. Just because you have faith in something doesn't mean that something is giving you the power to live victorious in this this invisible war. Now, as we are engaged and we start to understand this spiritual war, there's two errors that Christians tend to make. The first error is that Christians tend to underestimate. They tend to underestimate. They tend to buy into more of the culture like the American culture where everything is naturalistic and we put a lot, a lot of emphasis. We put a lot of hope in what doctors can do and what medical science can do, what scientists can do, what economists can do, what our president can do, what our politics. We put a lot of hope in that. It's a naturalistic worldview. And the challenge is, is for many believers as we dismiss great emphasis in the church today on grace. And we are people of great grace. We believe in grace. Without grace, it's impossible to be saved. But the fact is, God not only gives us grace and love, God wants us to walk in truth and holiness and righteousness. See, the two sides of the same coin. You can't have grace if you don't understand truth. You can't get saved if you don't know that you're a sinner. And so we have this fact today. We have this reality today is that many times believers underestimate the spiritual battle that they're in. But we also have another camp or another group of believers that overestimate or, or give too much credence to the devil. And the fact is we're not looking for the devil under every rock. Jesus never went out and sought the devil. The devil came to him. You don't have to go looking for the devil. The fact is the devil knows exactly where you are. He knows your name. He knows your address. He has, he has demonic forces that are assigned to you. He has demonic forces that are assigned to you to kill to destroy and bring death to you, your family, and all those that are influenced in your world. Now, the Bible gives us some very clear, specific examples. From Genesis to Revelation, from the time of the garden to the very end of the book, we see this cosmic battle engaging. We see this spiritual warfare or this invisible war taking place. I want to give you a couple of, of biblical realities. First story is found in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. And there's a story of a man by the name of Elisha. Everyone say Elisha. Elisha was a great prophet. He's one of the greatest prophets of the old time, of the Old Testament. His mentor was a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah had great power. Elijah was used by God in a mighty way. Elijah was one of, one of only two men that never tasted death. Elijah, the Bible says, went up to heaven in a flaming chariot. He never tasted death. He never died. Elijah was there at that moment, and he asked God for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And God blessed Elisha. He was a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God. And God would speak to Elisha. He would give him insight. He would give him wisdom. And this time of the Bible, the kings of Israel, they ruled over the people, and they had prophets and priests, and they would come, and they would minister to them and speak to them. And this prophet had a direct access to God. And because he had a direct access to God, the king of Israel knew it. He wanted him close to him. 
And God would speak to Elisha. And he would say, Elisha, this king over here is going to come against Israel. You, you better tell the king of Israel. And God would speak to him over and over and over. There was one particular king. His name was Ammon. He hated Israel. He hated the people of God. He hated everything that God stood for. He wanted to wipe Israel off the map. Elisha, though, kept getting words from God. And every time Ammon would position his soldiers to come and fight against the children of Israel, uh, the, the king already had word where they were going to be, and they wouldn't be there. Finally, the king of Ammon was so frustrated and so discouraged, he said, who is doing this? How are they finding out our strategic battle plan? And the Bible says that one of the men that was close to Ammon said, well, there's this prophet by the name of Elisha, and he gets direct words from God. So well, let's go get him. And so the king went and found where this man Elisha was, and he had a servant with him. And the Bible says that they surrounded Elisha, and they were going to destroy his life. And Elisha says to his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, his servant was so afraid, so fearful, thought he was going to be destroyed. Their life was over. And Elisha had no fear of the enemy. And the Bible says that he prayed, and he, op and he, and he opened his eyes. He said, oh, Lord, open his eyes so that my servant may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And then he said, don't you know that the, those that are for us are greater than those who are against us? And hear me today, I want you to know, God who is for you and the host of heaven is far greater than the enemy who is against you today. Someone said amen. The second passage, the second reality, New Testament reality that I want you, that's an Old Testament, but in the New Testament, I want you to see this spiritual battle or this invisible war. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, for though we live in the world, we live in this world. We're engaged in this world. We get up, we put our pants on, we make breakfast, we go to the gym, we go to work, we pay bills. We live in this world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons of our warfare, the weapons that we fight with, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everyone say divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish strongholds and arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it to obedience to Christ. So we have weapons of our warfare. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons that the world fights with. The weapons that the world fights with are bombs and bullets and strategies. And the fact is, is that men have been at war since the killing of Cain, who killed his brother Abel. The battle, the warfare that's taking place, they're talking about cyber warfare now. Nations against nations, trying to pull one another down. Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars till the very end of time. And the strategies of man and the plans of man, the best that they lay, will never end all wars. I'm a kind of a history buff, and we went to Boston this week. I, 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 I love the history. We, we took the, the, the Freedom Trail through Boston, and we got to see some of these founding revolutionary fathers and where they fought and where they, many, some of them gave their life and some of them won battles and the different events and historical things that took place. And what I realized is that this nation was founded in a war. We were found and we, we revolted against the oppressors of our enemy. Now, we thank God that they did that today. But the fact is that there was bloodshed. We understand the concept of war. We understand the reality of it. 
The fact is war is in our life. It's true. P Peter says, be sober, be mindful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan hates you today. Satan is like a roaring lion, and he seeks to destroy your life. He wants to destroy you. He hates you. He hates everything about you. You are God's crown jewel of creation. You were made and fashioned and formed in the very image of God. And he said, I love you. I love you. And this cosmic invisible war that we are engaged in today, the enemy says, I hate you. God says, I love you. Satan says, I hate you. God says, I want to give you life. Satan says, I want to bring destruction to you. I mean, you can see this parallel all throughout Scripture. And so there's a battle engaged for your life. And if you're ignorant of the devil's devices, if you do not understand today that you are engaged in a spiritual warfare, he'll take you out. I mean, just because you say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I, don't, I might believe that, but that doesn't really affect me. Oh, the moment you say that, he's got you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you haven't surrendered your life to the lordship of Jesus. You have no power to defeat the devil. And the Bible says that you are already his servant. And he can yank your chain. He can create attitudes and thoughts and put them inside of you. You're like, where did that come from? Well, you know what? You have no ability to resist and to fight against him. Satan hates the life of every human in this room. But not only does he want to destroy your life, he wants to destroy your family. Why do you think divorce is so prevalent today in our culture? So the, the lies of the enemy will come, you know what, man, my kids will just be way better off if we weren't married and we fight in the home too much and all these kinds of, all these kinds of thoughts that people have because Satan knows that if he can bring divorce into a family, he can bring destruction. He, see, God desires for righteous seed. God desires for your children to know him. And Satan hates your family today. He wants to destroy your family. It's why you must be engaged in the spiritual warfare. You see, you have a responsibility to fight the good fight. The Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah says, fight for your families, fight for your friends, fight for your neighbors. You see, we are engaged in a spiritual battle today for our families. Satan ultimately hates the church. See, ch the church, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is God's agent to bring the great revelation of who Jesus Christ is in our generation today. God loves the church. He loved the church so much that he died for the church. Why do you think there's such an attack against the church today? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just here in this country, but all around the world. I remember a couple of years ago when we took our missions trip to Cuba, and there it's so evident. It's so evident there that there's opposition to the church spiritually. I mean, the Christians in Cuba, they're not allowed to go on the streets. We as uh, uh, Americans, we're not allowed to share our faith with other people in Cuba. We could be arrested. We could talk inside of a church building, but we couldn't go outside of a church building. They were fearful even of one another. We were working on the job site, and Cubans, fellow Cubans were a little bit fearful about talking about anything about their government to other people within their, within their community because they didn't know who might be a, a spy or a communist party worker. It's really evident there. But in American culture, it's not quite so evident. But it's in our newspapers. It's in our magazines. It's in our television programs. Oh, those people over there, they believe in one God. They believe that Jesus is the only way. They believe that the Bible is true. They believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. You see, you can talk about any other spiritual God or deity in our culture. Watching CNN this last week, and they're having this whole brand new show on spiritism. 
and they have this guy, and he's going to, to, to Haiti, and he's involved in some kind of occultic practice of voodooism, and they go all over the world. But the fact is, the moment they, name, they say the name of Jesus, things shut down. It makes people nervous. You see, Satan hates the church. He hates the voice of the church because God has planned his purpose from the beginning to the foundation of the world that the church would proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth so every man may know him. Someone said amen. Ultimately, the reality is against our culture. The rejection of God's truth regarding the Bible. There's a battle for the hearts, the souls, and the minds of a generation. And Satan's plan is to deceive our nation and the people into believing that they can live any way that they want to live and not give an account for their life before God. And this is not true. There's an invisible war. But who is, who, who are our enemies in this war? Who are our enemies? In order for you to know who you're fighting, you've got to be willing to name them. You've got to be able to identify them. You know, we're, we're engaged in a conflict as a nation and as a world against an ideology, a radical ideology that wants to have a caliphate, that wants to bring everyone underneath some kind of Muslim rule. It's a fact. And if we fail to recognize that fact, we will never truly be able to fight our enemy. We can call it whatever we want, but until we name it what it is, until we're willing to name what the ideology is and the battle that we're engaged in, we'll never truly be able to fight the war correctly. And for the life of the Christian, it's exactly the same. In order for us to know this battle, this enemy that we're fighting, we gotta know who we're fighting. Now there's a three, I call it the triad of three, three enemies that are against every person in this world. The first one is the world. Everyone say the world. The second one is the flesh. Everyone say the flesh. The third one is the devil. Everyone say the devil. Now you, you got to know. You got to know today. As a, a person who's fighting and engaging in this invisible war, you got to know which one you're fighting. See, if you think you're fighting the devil, but you're actually fighting your own flesh, you're not going to win the war. So we are fighting this system, this system of the world. 1 John chapter 2 says, love not the world. Everyone say, love not the world. Or the things in the world. So listen, love not the other world, nor the things in the world. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. What do you love? What drives you? What motivates you? See, there are systems. It's not that God doesn't love people. The John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. He loves the people of the world. He loves every person in this room. God's not willing that anyone should perish. But there are systems that are diametrically opposed to God and his kingdom. And God doesn't, hate, doesn't, lo doesn't love them. He actually hates them. He hates evil. He hates darkness. He hates what took place in Fort Lauderdale. He hates it when marriages fall apart. He hates it when people get disease and sickness in their body. He hates it when life doesn't work the way that he's created for us to work. He hates it. See, God is a good father, and he gives good gifts today. But there's a system of the world. Now, the world looks really attractive. The things of the world, the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, their sexual desires of the flesh, their desires, I call them societal desires. They're, they're basically desires of getting your own way, of anger, blasphemy, get, letting your emotions all out, 
Those are sins of the, those are sins of the flesh. And then there's sins of religious ideology, ideology. And so we are engaged in this battle. And we look at these things, they look good. The sins of the flesh look good. People wouldn't go out and get drunk if it didn't feel good to get drunk. People wouldn't go out and commit adultery. People wouldn't watch pornography. People wouldn't steal, lie. People wouldn't yell and curse and scream if it didn't feel good in the moment. You see, the Bible says that Satan masquerades himself as an angel, angel of light. Now, we're on this Daniel fast, and so this week I went to the Publix to get myself in Daniel fast. No meats, no sweets, no caffeine. Everyone say brutal. <laughs> but I'm day eight. We're on it. We're on it. And it's getting easier. See, it's not man's plan. I believe it's God's divine plan for you to experience spiritual breakthrough in 2017. Get your heart positioned for God. And so I go up, and I mean, I'm picking out apples, and you know, this is like $1.29 a pound, $1.99 a pound, and they all look pretty good. But this one, there was actually, this one had a brother. <laughs> this, one, this one did have a brother, and they looked so pretty. They were bright and right, and that wax on there, the light was just glistening off it just perfect. And so I got home, and the other day, I, I got the apple out of the refrigerator, and I like a cold, crisp apple. Anybody with me here today? Come on, right? And I go grab that apple, pull out of the refrigerator, and I bite into that thing. <sighs> And it's nasty. <laughs> I mean, it looked beautiful, but it was soft. It was mushy. It was no good. You know what I did? <laughs> I spit it right in the garbage disposal. It looked good on the outside. You see, the world looks good. The systems and the things that the world offers you, they're little love trinkets that Satan lays before you and says, oh, this is good. This will make you happy. But what I found every time I go down the way of the world, every time I go down the way of the flesh, every time I live for myself, it leaves me broken, it leaves me busted, it leaves me full of guilt, shame, and disgust. Someone said amen. Yeah. And so we're engaged in the spiritual war, in the spiritual battle. There's the war without. There's the war within. There's the war within. It's the, the war of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. You are in a civil war today. Your spiritual man is in conflict between what you know you should do and what your spirit wants to do. you got this internal battle. Martin Luther once said, sin is the easiest thing to do. Sin is the easiest thing for every person in this room to choose. It's easy. Jesus said, there is a broad road. There's a broad road that leads to destruction, and most people are on that road. But there's a narrow road that leads to freedom. There's a narrow road that leads to abundance. There's a narrow road that leads to the blessed life, and few be that find it. See, it's easy to sin. I, I, I'm a sin. Like Paul, I'm a chief of sinner. I know what it is to sin. The fact is you have sin in your memory banks. You know exactly how to sin. Some of you maybe came out of a drug culture. I, I came out of a drug culture background. I, I told someone recently, I said, I, I know. I could go, I could, I could make a choice. And I could get some of that stuff that they've now made illegal. They've made it legal in Boston. And I could smell it everywhere I went. I was walking around the streets. And I could get some of that little leafy stuff, and I could get a little white little piece of paper, and I could put that little leafy stuff in there, and I could roll it right up, and I could get a Bic lighter and light it up. I could do it just, I mean, it wouldn't take nothing because there's sin in my memory banks. It's easy to sin, but to choose life, 
to choose to live as a victor, to choose to live as an overcomer, is only possible when I believe that there's a real, live, invisible war and that the God who is with me, the God who is for me, is greater than that who is against me. So we're engaged in this battle. And the last enemy is the devil. So we got the, everyone say, everyone say the world. Everyone say the flesh. Everyone say the devil. Now the problem with our culture today is the culture has portrayed devil as kind of this character. You know, he's just not really real, kind of, kind of a funny little guy, looks something like this. That's how our world sees the devil. Got a little pitchfork, hey buddy, poo poo, you know. Got a little guy over here, a little guy over here. But the fact is, that's not who the Bible says the devil is. In Ezekiel chapter 14 and in Isaiah chapter 14, it gives us a picture of who our enemy is. Paul, Peter says he's like a roaring lion. But Paul said he's like the angel of light. He looks probably something more like this. You see, Satan was a created being by God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was the most beautiful creation that God had ever made. His responsibility in heaven was to lead the host of heaven into worship. On his vest were musical instruments. And he would lead all the angels and the hosts of heaven and all of creation. He would lead them into worship. But one day pride rose up in his heart and he wanted to become not just like God, he wanted to become God. And Jesus said, with the little finger of God, I saw Satan cast out of heaven. And the Bible says that the Father God cast Satan out of heaven with one third of the angels. And there they are now. Their plan on planet earth is to bring, wreak havoc and destruction to your life, to my life, to the church, and to people all over planet earth. There's a real life devil. There's a real life Satan. I love what John Piper said. The, his power is limited though. His power is limited. And ultimately, he is God's servant for our sanctification. See, you're an invisible war today. And God's created you to be a victor. God's created you to win today. God's created you to be an overcomer. The Bible says in Romans chapter 16 that you will soon crush Satan under your feet. See, so you're not a victim today. You're not just a victim to any whim, to any thought that the enemy would put into your mind and into your heart. No, 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 no today. No today. God promises you victory. God promises every person in this room that surrenders their life to him, yes, there's a battle. Yes, you're going to engage in warfare. Yes, you're going to stumble. Yes, you're going to fall down. But let me tell you today, God promises that his spirit in you is greater than any enemy, any devil, any lie, any philosophy that's been assigned to you today. Listen to what the Bible says. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, for he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Greater is the God that is in you, the resurrected power of the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit, the same spirit that conquered death, that conquered the devil, that defeated Satan at the cross of Jesus Christ, and through the power of the resurrection, now lives in you. You're greater. Everyone say greater. greater. You have greater power and ability today than you ever could on your own. You can, you're no match for the enemy without the power of God's spirit in you. See, the enemy bombards our minds. He lies to us. He tells us that we can't do it. He says we're no good. He tells us today that all kinds of lies. But God says my spirit in you is greater than he that is in this world. You see, God not only, God not only has a spirit and a power in us that is greater, God gives us the power over our enemy. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority. Everyone say authority. I've given you authority to tra trample on serpents, demons, and devils, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Hear me today. The only way that you can engage in the spiritual war and you win, the only way is you have to understand who you are in Christ. Whose you are, whose you are, you're a child of God today. Whose you are and who you are. You're an overcomer. You're a victor. His power is greater in you. Whose you are and who you are. Delegated authority. Our government, our cities, our communities, our counties, they delegate authority to police officers. They delegate authority to military people. You walk into an airport today and the TSA agent tells you to take your shoes off. What do you do? Come on, what do you do? He tells you to take your belt off. What do you do? He tells you to walk back through that little thing again. What do you do? Well, no, you, you don't have to do that, do you? You could just be like an American and give them the middle finger and do what you want to do. And, and guess what's going to happen to you? <laughs> it ain't going to go well. You find yourself in a little room in the back with some men with big guns. They've been delegated. They understand their authority. They understand who they are. They understand their vocabulary that they're able to use, the language they're able to communicate. They understand who they are. And today, as a believer in Christ, you must understand that God has given you authority. He's given you power over all the works of the enemy. Someone said amen today. Christ has delegated that authority to you. But if you don't exercise it, you just go out there and case, sirrah, sirrah, we're going to live life and we're going to do the best we can and hope it all works out. You're like, you know what? You're not going to win. You're not going to win on God's terms. And ultimately, ultimately, God gives us the grace and the ability to get back up. Because here's the deal, all of us fall. All of us stumble. I read through the book of Romans. I, I read Paul's, the tearing out of his heart as he wrestles and wrangles with this work of the flesh and is doing what he doesn't want to do. But then he, he always wraps this up. I, I love the way he, he moves us forward as he's struggling with his flesh. He goes, my God, why do I do the things that I don't want to do and the things that I do are the things that I shouldn't, shouldn't do? But then he says, thanks be to God who causes us to triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God gives us the grace to get back up. The psalmist said, the Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath they're heavy loads. The Lord lifts up the fallen. And you're here today. You said, man, I fell down a bunch of times in 2016. But today I want you to know God is here to lift you up in 2017. If God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you, the spirit of God that is in you, than he that is in the world. Close your eyes. You say, Pastor, so what? <laughs> Man, I tried this, and I've heard this before. Well, I want to give you a challenge today. I want to speak to you today. I want you to, I want you to have spiritual ears right now. Please, and no one moving around. This is a really important moment. You're going to have a new 2017. You're going to put on a new you and walk in victory in this invisible war. 
some of you are going to have to classify yourself differently. Some of you have classified yourself by your failures and your defeats. You're no good. You're too fat. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I'll never amount to anything. I've failed too many times. I've lost too many jobs. I've had too many relationships. I keep falling back into sin. You've got to classify yourself differently today. You've got to see yourself the way that God sees you. God sees you as an overcomer. God sees you as a victor today. You're his child. No weapon formed against you should prosper. You've got to classify yourself differently. The second thing you got to do today is you got to choose some friends differently. You got to get in some different atmosphere. Some of you are with the wrong people. Some of you, every time you get around certain people in your life, man, they just, they might even be believers, but they're negative, they're critical, man, they don't speak faith. You get around them and you don't, you know, they're talking about negative about the church or about this or about the world. And man, you just feel down. You got to choose some friends differently in your life. Third thing is you got to commit yourself. You got to commit yourself to fighting in this invisible war. If you're going to win, you are. <laughs> the fact is, you are the Lord's soldier today, and you are in his battle. You are the Lord's soldier. The moment you said yes to Christ, you're the Lord's soldier. And Christ is calling you today. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's saying, Listen, I want you to engage, I want you to win this invisible war. Man, some of you here today, 2016, you just, man, I just, I didn't win. I lost a lot more than I won, than I won. But I want to go into 2017, and I want to believe that 2017 is going to be a year of victory, a year of breakthrough over some old bad habits and ways of thinking and living. And you're in this room today, and you're ready for a new year. You're ready to fight this invisible war and believe God's going to give you the victory. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One two, three. Come on in this room right now. All across this room. Wow. You can put your hands down. God's speaking to us today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us right in this very moment. I, I, I just, I know. I, I want to just take a moment here. God's touched a nerve here. God's touched a nerve. You know, the way that the Satan speaks to you is through lies and deception you know, you might just think it's your own voice, but man, when that voice comes to you and says that you can't, and I'm no good, and I'm a failure, and I've made too many mistakes, and that's a voice of the enemy today. You see, because when God comes to you and God speaks to you, God says that I love you. God says that I'm for you. God says that I, I, I am with you. I will never leave you today. Some of you have lived under the load of condemnation, guilt, and shame in 2016. Find yourself stuck in the same addictions and brokenness and bad patterns. And God says, I'm going to lift that off your life in 2017. See, in 2017, God, God, by his spirit and by his power, is going to bring a fresh anointing into your life. The prophet declared that the anointing of God's spirit breaks the yoke. And today, the anointing of God's spirit is in this room. And God desires to set you free. The spirit of the living God that says yes and amen is here today to bring hope, to bring freedom, to bring life, to bring blessing. But today, your choice, your choice is that I say yes. Yes, God, I'm going to engage. God, you've done your part. But Lord, help me to do my part. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Father, for every person that raised their hand, I declare victory in 2017. Father, for every person that said, I want to I engage in the spiritual war, I believe that you created me to be a victor today. I'm going to win. I'm, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to receive the grace to get back up. Jesus, I thank you today. I bless them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.